Hey, welcome to a gluten-free podcast, the show where we'll be exploring all things gluten-free. I'm your host, Ben. Whether you have celiac disease like me, you're gluten-free for other reasons, or you just want to learn more about the gluten-free diet, then this podcast is for you. Let's get into it. Hey, and welcome to another episode of a gluten-free podcast. This is a weekly show where we chat everything gluten-free. I was diagnosed with celiac disease at the end of 2020 after a very long process. It took about a year to get diagnosed for me with really bad symptoms. You can go back to episode one and check out my diagnosis story if you haven't already. But since I was diagnosed with celiac, it's been a massive journey, a massive learning curve. And my friends and family have been amazing in supporting me through that. But the gluten-free community especially online and locally as well, but especially online during COVID have been so helpful and so supportive. And so I just want to give a massive shout out to the gluten-free community for helping me through uh, my diagnosis and just learning about the gluten-free diet in general. I really couldn't have done it without you guys. And that is who I am making this podcast for. Before we get into things today, I would firstly, as always, like to acknowledge this land of Gundagara country in the southern highlands of New South Wales, Australia, where my family and I are lucky enough to live on, and also where I'm recording this right now. It's the land of the Gundagara people, and they are the true custodians of this land. I'd like to acknowledge the stories, traditions, and living cultures of all Indigenous elders, past, present, and emerging. Also, I'm not a medical professional. I get a lot of emails and DNs on Instagram asking me for personal medical advice. I just want to state this, and I always state this in my podcast, I am not a doctor. I'm not a medical professional of any sort. So please, when it comes to doing anything to your health or your diet in general, always seek out your own personal medical advice. All right, let's get into the show today. All right, so this is another episode of Gluten-Free Thoughts. So in this podcast, I mainly get guests on, and they talk about their gluten-free stories or what they're doing in the gluten-free world. And in between, I just I like to update you in this segment of what's going on in my own gluten-free journey. So that's what today's episode is all about. So if you haven't already, uh, go back and check out episode 22 which is where my wife and I are talking about uh, a low FODMAP diet that I'm starting and also that I'm about to get a colonoscopy and endoscopy done. That'll give you a bit of background on what I'm talking about today. So since then, uh, I had my colonoscopy and endoscopy done and I did that because I was having ongoing symptoms despite adhering to a strict gluten-free diet. So. Those results did come back and the gastroenterologist who carried out the procedure actually told me straight after the procedure. I was a little out of it still uh, with the sedation, but she basically told me that I had an inflamed duodenum. Uh, There was no malignancy that she could see and also that I had some signs of IBS and also possible lactose intolerance. And so she sent a follow-up email and I'll just, I'll read that out quickly. So it showed that my celiac disease is actually in remission, 
with normal duodenal biopsies, and there was minor reflux change at the end of my esophagus, which could be managed with lifestyle measures. Uh, for example, limiting caffeine slash alcohol, which I'm not having any alcohol at the moment, um, and dinner portion sizes. I definitely struggle with small portions of food. I always have, I seem to pig out uh, anytime I have a meal and I really enjoy it, I just go back for seconds, I go back for thirds. So that is definitely something I could improve on. Um, or else starting a low dose reflux tablet, uh, and she mentions a certain type of tablet, and that can be given via a script or from a GP, or I can get it over the counter in smaller quantities. Also, my, I'm going to probably say this wrong, disarchy disaccharide testing is abnormal, but that was likely due to a processing error by the laboratory uh, rather than true lactase slash sucrase deficiency as almost all the markers are reduced. Now, a lot of that is probably just mumbo jumbo to you. It kind of is to me as well. I know a little bit, a little bit about it, but after doing a little bit of research, but for the most part, I think I need to sit down with a gastroenterologist for a follow-up appointment and have a chat to her in depth about everything that the results came back with. So basically I was happy. I was happy after the colonoscopy and endoscopy. I was worrying. I'm not going to lie to you guys. I'm a bit of a hypochondriac. I think I always have been, and I worry about my health. Um, A lot of my family members have had health issues, and it just seemed to be something growing up. I would always worry about anything little to do with my health. If I had a headache, I'd freak out that I had a brain tumor. If... I had a bleeding nose, I'd freak out that, you know, something else was going on with me. And for a long time, uh, I'd always question what was going on with my health. And I guess running around and really worrying about the symptoms I was having pre-diagnosis before getting diagnosed with celiac was really difficult because I was having so many different symptoms and really struggling uh, to find the answer. And I guess going back to the doctor and getting told, no, nothing's wrong with you, nothing's wrong with you, nothing's wrong with you. It, it kind of made me feel like I was overreacting. And that's a really horrible feeling. But getting the celiac diagnosis almost kind of confirmed that I should have some degree of worry to my health. I shouldn't be worrying about it all the time, but I should be really on top of what's going on with my health. So that is definitely something I've learned along the way. Anyway, that's probably a bit of rambling, (laughs) but that's probably a podcast in itself, uh, hypochondria. And yeah, that's a bit of a rabbit hole. But anyway, I was super happy with the results and now I can move forward knowing that that is a possible cause of what's going on with my, um, you know, all my symptoms. And the gastroenterologist was really pleased that I was working alongside a dietitian, doing the low FODMAP diet and ruling out any other intolerances. So to update you in that department, the low FODMAP diet, I've been on it for a couple of weeks now. Uh, first off, I was in the elimination phase. 
So I was taking out all of the trigger foods and the normal foods that you usually introduce back in on the low FODMAP diet and figuring out all the triggers. So at the end of the elimination phase, I was actually feeling really good, really, really good, which is obviously probably a sign that it is something to do with FODMAPs. So I firstly introduced lactose back into the diet and dairy. I cut out dairy altogether. So I reintroduced milk and some ice cream and I think there was something else as well. I can't quite remember now, but I introduced you know dairy and lactose back into the diet just to see if there was any symptoms. And surprisingly, I didn't really have any symptoms. So I am kind of cheering about that because I really miss eating dairy and just having lactose, even just regular milk and so many recipes. I want to use dairy. It's been kind of frustrating to use the dairy-free stuff. I am not vegan um, and I didn't think I had any issues with lactose in the first place. So that's awesome. I'm so happy that I can introduce dairy back into the diet because so many recipes include dairy. So we've really been missing uh, using dairy in our family meals. So we're happy about that, that we can reintroduce it at least to a lactose-free level. So I still have to be on lactose-free milk and lactose-free products, but I can still have dairy back in the meals, which is awesome. So the next one that I tried, the next challenge was honey. And I did actually have a reaction to that, which I'm kind of annoyed about because I do love honey and I didn't think that would be one of my trigger foods, but here we are. So I've still got a fair few challenges to do on the low FODMAP diet. So it's going to be quite some time before I complete it, but it's, it's quite a process because you, this is the thing I didn't have actually realized with the low FODMAP diet. So you have to have three days either side of each challenge. So now that I've, you know, just for instance, I've finished the lactose challenge. So I now know that I can incorporate dairy and lactose back into the diet, but I have to have lactose-free uh, milk and anything that I'm going to have dairy, it has to be lactose-free uh, because lactose is one of the FODMAPs. So now that I have ruled out lactose as one of my trigger foods, I can now move on being lactose-free throughout the rest of the challenges. But the the hard thing with the low FODMAP diet is that you have to have three days either side of a challenge. So you have to have three days symptom-free before the challenge starts so that you know that you're not reacting to something else other than the challenged food that you're having at that time. So it is, it's, it's quite a process. It's, it's really involved, but at the end of the day, it's going to help find what my trigger foods are. And I'm so keen to do that because I just don't want to go around feeling like crap, basically. So I'm going to update you all uh, once I've done a few more uh, food challenges on the low FODMAP diet, and I'll let you know how I'm going with it. Um, and also when I catch up with my gastroenterologist to have that follow-up appointment and talk about the findings and what the biopsies showed. She can tell me a little bit more about that, hopefully in layman's terms, because I don't understand a lot of the medical language around it. So it'll be great for her to break that down and really help me to understand it. And then I can share that with you. So that's basically my update. 
that's what's happening with the low FODMAP diet and the procedures that I had. And I would just like to say a massive thank you to everybody that has uh, contacted me and checked in with me. It's been quite a stressful time, not going to lie. And to have the support of you guys just just asking how I'm going. And I posted up something on Instagram um, when I was admitted to hospital and just the response from everyone was just amazing. And I was blown away. I had so many DMs and so many comments on that post and people just genuinely checking how I was going. And I think that just really shows the power of the gluten-free community and, you know, that we're all just going through some really tough health stuff. And it just... It just helps so much to have a massive supportive network around you. So honestly, thank you so much. If you are liking the show, make sure you're following so you don't miss an episode. And also please share it with someone or take a screenshot and share that on social media and give me a tag so I can see that you've shared it and I can get in contact with you and say thank you. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen to this today. I know you're taking time out of your day to just listen to my own gluten-free journey and I really appreciate it. So thank you so much and have a great week. Thanks so much for taking the time to join me here on a gluten-free podcast. If you're enjoying it and think someone else would too, please share it with them. Also, I'd really appreciate you giving a rating and review on whatever podcasting platform you're listening on. You can find me on Instagram at a.gffamily or send an email to aglutenfreefamily at gmail.com. I'll add all this info in the show notes. Until next time, bye for now.